Welcome to Faked, an original podcast highlighting the underground world of counterfeit illegal items around the world and how to spot them. Whether you're traveling the world or buying online, Faked will be your guide. With your host, Joseph Rowan, you'll explore the many ways counterfeiters can pull off disguising everyday consumer items as the genuine good. Welcome back to Faked, guys. We are going to be doing another one of these conmen, famous conmen in history. And if you're not familiar with the podcast here, we talk about fake things, we talk about scams, we talk about counterfeit items, we talk about history, we talk about pretty much everything that relates to any of that stuff. So without further ado, this episode is going to be a little nuts. And if you know if you know the podcast, you know that's probably a pun and it's going to link us to starting this episode. So we're talking about John R. Brinkley, and I need to get up his uh, his first story here, which um, we're going to talk about. You know, it's John Brinkley, but he's known as the goat gland doctor. Um, everyone says he's also a radio pioneer, but I think we're going to focus more of the goat gland part of it. That seems to be kind of the meat of it, which um, again, no pun intended, but I want to get to the beginning of how he started and the craziness that came with it. So according to his biography, the thing that made John Romulus Brinkley uh, famous wasn't even his idea. So in the life of a man, which is, uh, which Clement Wood wrote uh, that in 1917, Brinkley, a doctor running a drugstore in Milford, Kansas, which is where all this all begins, was talking to a farmer struggling with impotence when he jokingly referred to goats that were kind of going at it nearby. And I guess his neighbor said, you wouldn't have any trouble if you had a pair of those buck glands in you, he said. Well, oh, I guess it was John who said that. Then the farmer said, well, why don't you just put them in? Why don't you go ahead and put a a pair of goat glands in me, transplant them, graft them on, the way I'd graft a pound sweet of an apple stray. So that just kind of dates that reference because I don't know what any of that means. So Brinkley balked at first, but eventually after arguing with the farmer about it until 3 a.m., he was persuaded to perform the surgery, which is nuts. <laughs> Again, I mean, the pun obviously is intended. It's crazy because you there was no like scientific approach to it at all. They were just like, hey, that thing's got balls, and I do too. Why don't we just replace him. Uh, So after arguing with the farmer about it until 3 a.m., he was persuaded to perform the surgery, which cost about 150 bucks. So by the math, I think it was like a thousand bucks or something like that. So within the next few months, he performed the operation several more times. Each time, according to the life of a man, the surgery worked. Impotence was cured. Babies were being conceived. But I think we all know that that's totally fake. So I wonder if this guy was just kind of traveling around with him. If there was like a hired dude that was like, yep, I got him in me. That's me and I have babies. So we all know that that is fake by today's standards. But um, And Brinkley was clearly a quack. So this transplant is called the xenotransplantation surgery. And obviously it could never work. It's trans species. It's not going to happen. So, but in the early 20th century, the fact was obviously not as clear, and Brinkley's renown and his fortune grew. So soon, the doctor was charging $750 per surgery, which is like $10,000, performing them by the thousands and working with celebrity clientele. So he was even mocked on film by that of Buster Keaton, 
So Brinkley and his wife, Minnie, and their son, who was nicknamed Johnny Boy, lived like kings, first in Milford, then in Del Rio, Texas. So during the Great Depression, while much of the nation struggled, Brinkley sold other cures at a rate of $100 a treatment, raking in $100 million a year. I couldn't find what any of those other treatments were, but he was probably just making up stuff. I mean, if you're making up goat testicle transplants, I mean, you're making up anything. It could be like, here's a potion that'll make you money if you pay me $100. Man, to live back then would be crazy. I don't know. It'd be so tempting to want to do any of this stuff just because it feels like people are more trusting. You know, it's not really gullible. It's just trusting. You know, there wasn't too many crazy people trying to make money off of people's trust. So as unbelievable as it sounds, a goat testicle-based cure for impotence was just the beginning for Brinkley. He was an early adopter of the radio, pioneered the advertorial, just like a radio or advertorial. I think it was like a radio thing like for advertisements and conducted a write-in campaign for the governor of Kansas and of course he had his fair share of enemies including the Federal Radio Commission and the American Medical Association but it was actually his own hubris not his enemies that would eventually bring Brinkley down so I'm going to move over to this other story here and we're going to talk about this guy making 12 million dollars overall with the goat testicle thing I think I mean at 10,000 bucks and I don't know how much time it would take to do a goat transplant, but maybe a couple a day, 30,000. Yeah, so definitely possible. I think he was making he was making a lot. Each way, he was making 12 million a year is what it said. From 1918 to 1930, surgically, yeah, surgically grafted goat glands onto so many men across America that at its peak he was making 12 million a year. Wow. So he was a celebrated radio broadcaster and, and healer. He owned a large escape, or escape, a state, a state, a yacht, and had a gopher Kansas governor. Indeed, the journey of John Brinkley is a colorful one. So we talked about, let's see, we're going to go into, let's talk about maybe some of the early life of John Brinkley so we can get into what made him so messed up. So it looks like illegitimacy seemed to be a theme in the life of John Romulus Brinkley. He was born the illegitimate son of the father and his mother's niece on July 8, 1885 in Baden, uh, North Carolina. So Brinkley's father was a country physician who died in 1896, which led Brinkley to become the family's breadwinner. He worked as a telegraph operator and delivered mail while tirelessly studying the Bible and home remedies in his spare time. After he'd spent some time as a traveling te- um, telegrapher, yeah, Brinkley married and his nomadic business changed. Together with his wife, Sally Wick, Sally Wyke, Brinkley staged a theatrical play to attract crowds to whom he could then sell tonics and herbal medicines as quack doctors. So there you go. I think that's what he was selling Tonic wise, just anything, just alcohol with like herbs in it. Crazy. Okay, so meanwhile, the Brinkleys accrued some debt. Perhaps in an effort to legitimize his cure all tonic business, Brinkley moved his family to Chicago in order to enroll in the Bennett Medical College. But the debt crippled them. Uh, Brinkley and he was forced to drop out of the school shy of his degree because he could not pay his debts. Other medical colleges refused to accept him. 
So determined to become a doctor, John Brinkley began to practice as a men's specialist in Knoxville and Chattanooga, Tennessee. Around this time, he left his wife and remarried. He then procured work as an electromedic doctor in Greenville, South Carolina, where he would inject patients with electric medicine from Germany. What does that even mean? I'm going to open this one. So that alleged it could strengthen masculine virility. In reality, the medicine was like colored water. Yeah, so what was it called? Yeah, it's yeah. if I go through, it's basically just like the fake medicine we have today, but it's called electric medicine. Interesting. That doesn't sound fun. So debt consequently found Brinkley again, and it ended with him being in probably debtor's jail because it says he was in jail. So I'm guessing at that time they had debtor's jail, which obviously was banned because I think everybody in America would be in jail. So he was later bailed out by his new father-in-law and moved to Judsonia, Arkansas in the summer of 1914, where he opened a practice as a specialist in diseases of women, children, their his work began to garner recognition by locals. So he managed to enroll at the Eclectic Medical University in Kansas City, Kansas City, perhaps through a phony diploma. So he was able to fake a diploma, then enroll at a medical university. So it would be discovered decades later that he applied for an illegitimate certification through a diploma mill years earlier, which would enable him to be accepted at the University of Kansas. So it looks like there was some sort of diploma mills going on there, which is just basically fake diplomas through a pseudo-accredited organization. Regardless, he didn't last long at the medical university and then dropped out. So John Brinkley managed to maintain his track to become a doctor, however, and after settling in Milford, Kansas, that's kind of where we start the story. So we talked about we talked about the first goat gland operation. I'm going to see if there's anything specific in here. So it looks like for a couple of years in Milford, Brinkley made an honest living. Uh, He ran a 16-room clinic where he helped nurse the victims of the flu pandemic back to health. And his community respected and appreciates his efforts. So it looks like he was doing something good, but doesn't look like um, that lasted long. But when a patient complained, yeah, so... The impotence is kind of where it started, and they were talking about the goat testicles, and we talked about it, and the farmer got it, and apparently that started the whole thing. All right, so, okay, so apparently that farmer's wife gave birth to a little boy named Billy. Oh, my God, that's awful. Billy goat, right? I mean, I'm assuming that's the first baby born of a goat gland procedure that couldn't be where billy goat comes from right i'm gonna look this up sorry i hate putting clicky in the thing but like clicks in the background but i'm gonna look this up origin of billy goat name that couldn't possibly from be from there is it Mm, difference between a billy goat oh i guess it has something to do with the actual latin name why do they call it Billy Goat when a goat fall from a... Okay, so became known as Billy Goat. So um, Cyanus became known as Billy Goat when a goat fell off a passing truck and wandered inside. Um, grew a goatee, acquired the nickname Billy Goat. So apparently has everything to do with a goatee. Okay, so that, I mean, it seemed too on the nose, I guess. Okay, so we talked about him making a ton of money through this. 
And we're going to move on to the miracle cure. So goat glands, Brinkley soon began to claim, weren't just an impotence cure. They could cure almost anything. So influenza and insomnia went away after every goat gland operation he claimed, while the insane would see clearly within just... While the, he claimed, while the insane would see clear... Oh, so it looks like the goat glands were actually supposed to help with clarity. So if you were crazy, you would obviously want some of these goat glands. Mm. So Brinkley's stories were incredible. In one paper, he described the miracle recovery of a patient. No insane asylum could help. Just needed some goat balls. So the second day after two male goat glands had been inserted, he spoke to me saying, Doctor, won't you please remove the strap so I can rest comfortably? I am perfectly aware of everything now and feel as if snatched from the grave. Wow, that's pretty convenient. And again, that was the quote from the uh, patient that went crazy. So after all, Brinkley um, posited the root of almost every problem started in the glands. So he wrote 90% insanity cases and 75% of divorce cases are due to diseased glands. Well, again, this sounds crazy to us today, but back then people, I mean, they didn't read books about science. They didn't do anything. I mean, they were just trying to survive. They were trying to make money, trying to survive. So that sounds legit because they're saying stats and they're saying scientific things. So stats and science back then was enough to just sell tonic all day or glands. So Brinkley also marketed like no one ever had. And, you know, that's really where a lot of people got in trouble back then were just marketers. Like like you got Thomas Edison. You've got all these people that just marketed like crazy. I mean, we've talked about some of the other cons and all of them were just Con men, which is the confidence, you know, that's the whole thing. So marketing is a little confidence in a product or yourself. So he filled newspapers with ads of himself holding little baby Billy, the world's first goat gland child. He publicized operations on senators and stars alike. And in 1923, he even set up his own radio station. It was called KFKB, Kansas First, Kansas Best. But the most part, uh, for the most part, the station operated as a hub of advertisements for John Brinkley's operation. So one of his most popular shows was the Medical Question Box, where he would read listeners' medical complaints and explain to them how they could be treated by either goat glands or one of the licensed products sold at Brinkley's pharmacy. So it seems like he had probably some legitimate stuff. And I think that's probably what made the illegitimate stuff legitimate is the fact that it was kind of like sprinkled in with actual science. So Brinkley had a miracle cure and nobody in the world he claimed could pull it off but him. So there was such a fine art to goat gland surgery. Brinkley claimed it cannot be taught by correspondence and simple though it sounds to hear it just cannot be done. So he was the one that held the only way to do this and I'm sure anybody else who's trying to get in the game knew better so though Brinkley claimed his work could not be replicated or learned by attendance at a few clinics, uh, modern experts believe that the process was apparently fairly archaic. So the surgery involved simply sewing a young goat's testicles onto a patient's scrotum. So Brinkley did not even join the testicles with blood vessels, and consequently the gland did not actually interact with the patient's body internally. 
and they had actually no medical function. So wouldn't he just go bad? Like, you know, die? I mean, they were already dead, but wouldn't they just decompose? Ooh, gross. So not everybody bought into the goat gland bonanza, believe it or not. So from the start, the American Medical Association knew the operation was a farce, and they did everything in the power or their power to shut John Brinkley down, but Brinkley fought back. So he would go on the radio and fill the airwaves with vicious diatribes in which he would call the AMA a meat cutters union, which the AMA is the American Medical Association. They're a meat cutters union who just couldn't compete with his miracle cure because Brinkley held a fortune which he circulated generously throughout Kansas. The governor fought to protect him himself. So it looks like he had all the money he could ask for and it just made all the things that better or all all things better because uh, he had the money and he could just buy people off. And that's still true today. So, But in, in 1930, the Kansas Medical Board held a hearing to see if Brinkley's license should be revoked. And they discovered something they couldn't ignore. Brinkley had signed 42 death certificates. So what was Brinkley doing to where people were dying? Because it seems like they were just sowing... He was sowing goat testicles on people. And I mean, as terrible as it is, I don't think people were dying because of it. So Brinkley lost his medical license and in six months he lost his radio station too. So the Federal Radio Commission refused to renew his contract. Apparently you need to have that in order to operate over the waves. So for years, John Brinkley dabbled in other schemes. He ran for governor of Kansas hoping to use his power to renew his license, but he lost. Then he started broadcasting his radio into Mexico where he couldn't be censored. But what well, Lily had left disappeared in 1938 when Dr. Morris Fishbein wrote an article called Brinkley, a Modern Medical Charlatan. So Brinkley sued him for liable, demanding $250,000, but the judge accepted that Fishbein had written nothing but the plain honest truth, and Brinkley, the judgment read, should be considered a charlatan and quack in the ordinary, well-understood meaning of those words. So the ruling paved the way for a barrage of lawsuits. Brinkley was sued for more than three mil all in all and became completely completely bankrupt in the end. He was also found guilty of mail fraud and due to complications concerning a blood clot, lost his leg. So he really just, he went down fast. So on his deathbed, uh, deathbed with all the consequences and his deception rearing their heads, Brinkley de- declared... If Dr. Feshbein goes to heaven, I want to go the other way. So it seems like he was a crook till the end. You know, obviously, he's he's been gone for a while now. But this story's been told many times over uh, with different quackeries. It's not anything new. You know, the testicles were def- definitely new. But um, that song's been sung so many times. And this is what the whole podcast is about, is these things have happened nearly every decade. Just someone comes around with a, a mighty fine idea and people buy it. I mean, it still exists today. I try to do um, episodes on it. And if you check out my TikTok, I've got a bunch on there of just like modern day scams or wellness scams and things like that where people just want to believe that there's an easy way to do things. But in reality, you know, it's not that easy. It's definitely not that easy, especially when you're talking about your own health. You got to work for things. But guys, that is the story, the sad story, really, because it ended with, uh, I mean, it wasn't like, oh, he came out of it and everything was good. And 
No, it seemed like that really, really, really went downhill for Mr. Brinkley, and I suppose rightfully so, because it said it basically just proves crime never pays. So guys, remember with faked items, there are those who produce them, those who purchase them, and those that listen to this podcast. I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye.